Welcome to the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health, and our mission is simple, to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Your host is writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, and this season of Overcoming Monday is brought to you by Mission Grill. It is literally my favorite new restaurant in Anderson, South Carolina on Highway 81. It is incredible. Think Mexican street tacos, fresh, organic, and delicious. I go there at least three times a week. This season is also brought to you by The Clever People. For all of your real estate needs in the upstate of South Carolina, if you're looking for a new home, if you wanna buy some property, if you need a place to rent, or if you just wanna look at all the available properties and dream about what it would be to live in Anderson, The Clever People. They are your people for your real estate needs. Okay, let's get started on this podcast with your host and my wife, Shari King. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. I just got through interviewing this guest that you're going to hear from today. Her name is Sharla Marskalk, and she is from Canada. I love her paintings. She is specifically known for her large-scale gestural faces that explore the layers of the human identity. And when I was researching her, I found this quote. She says, the human race is a vast category if you look at it from the differences point of view. But when you look at who each of us really is, underneath the layers of experience and genes, we are one beautiful category of people, the same, made in the image of God for love and relationship. So you guys are not going to regret tuning in today. I mean, I'm telling you, this woman is amazing. She is a wonderful painter. She has a great heart for God. So put your seatbelts on and let's get ready to hear from Sharla Malskok. So Sharla, if you'll just take a minute and just um, tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you're from and um, specifically how you got into art. Okay. Um, hey, everybody. It's great to be here today. So yeah, I'm from Canada and I'm more specifically from a little place off the eastern side of Canada, an island called Newfoundland. It's quite different from the rest of Canada and its culture. It's kind of a little bit more of a European culture, we'd like to say. We kind of think we're our own country. <laughs> we were our own country for a really long time. Um, so yeah, I'm from Newfoundland and I grew up in a really small town. And um, that my the town I'm from was called Happy Adventure. Mm. I kind of call that my little exciting thing about my life. Probably the most exciting thing about growing up in Happy Adventure was the name of the town I was from. <laughs> it was it was named by a pirate who was actually escaping the authorities, and he found this little cove to hide his ship in, and he called it a very happy adventure. So he stayed there and settled the town. Apparently, kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'm from there. And I think um, art was always something that was I had. I don't remember a time where I didn't have art, just like I don't remember a time where I, I didn't know who God was and who Jesus was. It's just always been in me. I think one of the probably the um, benefits of growing up in a small town was I was known as the artist. In my school, everyone knew me as the artist and my family knew me as the artist. So I kind of just grew up with that as part of my identity. 
So I didn't struggle. I mean, okay, I struggled with mm-hmm. lots of stuff, but I didn't struggle with that as being part of my identity, whereas a lot of people have to kind of be uh, reminded that they can create or reminded where their talents lie because maybe they were told it was kind of a useless talent or whatever. But I was always encouraged. And I kind of look back at the idea that I was in a small school, it was a benefit. I think in, probably in a large school where there's more competition, I may not have like risen to the top and probably would have had less confidence in my skill. So that's, that's kind of where I got my start and why I, I feel like I'm a confident artist. Yeah, that's cool. I know um, I took, I remember taking a class in oils when I was little um, at the community center down the street. And that's when I started to love it. But when I went to college, I started to major in it. And I just got really scared that um, I had a single mom who was just trying to provide for us. And when I watched her just provide for us, I actually had the idea, I mean, maybe I won't ever get married and how will I support myself? And so um, I changed my major just because I was so scared. Um, But I really admire the fact that you had so much grounding in the beginning. And so I'm trying to kind of get there now, you know? Well, I actually changed my major to fine arts because I started in sciences. I didn't, I didn't think I could have a career in art. I wanted to make money. My parents were business owners and, um, you know, I saw what they had done and I wanted to do that. I wanted, I didn't really know where I was going to go, but I was studying physics and doing science and all of that kind of stuff. And halfway through my first semester, I just, looking back at it, I know that that it was just a, a pure God moment, but I just had an overwhelming burden that this was not where I was supposed to be. And I hated it. Like I hated what I was doing. And I loved physics and science and math. Like I really loved them in high school. And suddenly I just absolutely hated it. And there was one day in study hall and I was sitting there with my science books open going, I can't do this for the rest of my life. What am I going to do? And I just, I don't remember hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, but I'm pretty sure he just put it on me. You're going to go and get a BFA. And I thought I was crazy to even think it. But in that moment, I made the decision. I was like, that's the only thing I can do. I have to do that with no thoughts of where it was going to take me. So I switched my major like halfway through my first year into fine art, which is crazy to think about it with the way that the world was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have to go there. I feel like that. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) No. Um, So when I was, um, when I was watching one of your videos, I was already interested in your art and I, you know, I loved being taught by you. And then you explained that part of the reason why you have a passion for art and beauty and all the things that you do is because your relationship with God. And so I wondered uh, if you could just tell us, uh, how do you think that your relationship with God affects how you paint and even your gifts, how, how you see yourself, how you see your art, all of that kind of stuff? I mean, you don't have to answer all of it, but maybe <laughs> something. Um, I think that it's, it's everything. Like I try to say these things without sounding cheesy. I don't want to be, I never want to sound cheesy, but I do think it's everything. Like I've had a career and a whole ton of stuff. I, I finished school and um, I did a graduate program and I went into graphic design and then I went and started my own photography business on the side, which went full time. And I did that for 12 years and I did really well. And then we moved across the country for the second time. And that's when I switched into art. I feel like every 
every step of my life and career has been, where does God want me to go? I didn't really know as a kid or as a teenager how to hear God or how to even really study the Bible or understand what he was saying. But I always knew that where when I went with him, it was better. And I didn't know how to know where he was telling me to go, but I, I always took a step trusting that God was going to be there or he was taking me there. And I think that's the only way I could do art because I, I did believe, even though I had incredible encouragement with, from my own family and from my teachers, I still did believe that art was kind of worthless. Like, what's the point of it? Mm. I enjoyed it, but I had no idea what that meant. But I kept hearing that call to go to be creative, to do more, to do something more creative. I always went into the applied arts because I wanted to make money somehow. And I was terrified of being a starving artist. So I thought if I painted, I would just starve to death, which is true for many people. <laughs> That's what happens. doesn't have to, but it's what happens. So I just felt like it was just such an unknown place and a place the arts was, was an unknown world that you really couldn't get concrete information about how to survive in it or what its purposes were. So I every step of my journey was hearing from God and trusting that he was going to take me there. And when I took the step to become a full-time painter, I, I just, um, I just went into God. I was like, what is this? Why am I feeling this call? Mm. We, at that point in our life had made some major changes. My husband had changed his career. We were really, we were living in a very expensive city with half of the income that we are used to. And it wasn't a time to just say, oh, I'm going to drop everything and paint. I mean, my husband almost had a heart attack when I told him what I was going to do. So I had to know that that was what God wanted me to do. And um, he confirmed it. He confirmed it at a conference that I went to. Then he confirmed it just in his word. Every time I'd open up my Bible, I would hear him speaking confirmation. He confirmed it through other people that I had spoken to. So I just always felt like I could only, only move forward if God was with me. It's the only way that I could do art. Then my prayer became, I want to understand. I don't want to just have, you know, like those Holy Spirit moments where I'm just guided into the light. I want to understand because I was feeling like it was important. I needed to know so I could share it, so I could get other people to do this, you know, to do what I was doing who were, were called in the same ways because the stories are also similar and that people who want to do art, but they don't do it because they don't think that it's worthwhile cause. So I wanted understanding and I slowly started to receive understanding from um, other people that I was following online and learning from. Mostly everything was online. I had no in-house in mentors. I didn't know anybody um, in my personal life that was an art mentor to me. But I started finding people on YouTube and pastors that I was listening to from all over the U.S., who were talking about how they had been praying into the creative arts for about 15 years now. I think that they're, they're saying that they'd been praying for a revival to take back the arts for God, because I, I do believe that it was pretty much stolen out from under us. Um, and there's a lot of darkness and a lot of evil in the arts. So, and that was why I was like, uh, I don't want to go into that dark, weird place. I don't feel like I'm the one that's going to change that. <laughs> and I don't even know how I was willing, but um, yeah. So I started hearing people talking about it. So I started seeking that out. I think, I feel like I'm going a long ways from your question. Now. No, you're not. I love what you're saying. I mean, I think it's great. 
Yeah. So I started seeking that out and seeking the other people that God was talking to. And there's a lot of them. Um, one of the guys I think that's spoken into my life a ton is Sean Bowles. Um, a lot of people have heard about him I mean, he's a pretty great teacher. And he talks about creativity and the arts and how he was called into Hollywood to, to change the arts and to speak into people's lives and to send Christians into Hollywood, which is kind of, you know, like crazy. People thought he was crazy. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling it. You know, these dark places that if I can be so bold, Satan has taken over and we look at it as evil and horrible. Who's going to go into Hollywood? Is there's, there's so much evil there. Well, why wouldn't we go in there? We're supposed to change that. We need to take it back. We need to take it over. And that was the message I kept getting from I think Sean Bowles is probably the first person I really heard it from. And then hearing him talk about other people and interviewing other people, I started following other guys. Aru McManus was another one that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I read his book, The Artisan Soul, and it changed everything for me. And I was like, that's it. Uh, this is it. I mean, I had already decided to be a full-time artist about four years before I came across Aru McManus. When I read that book, I was like, that's it. I, I know that I have to do this 100%. It doesn't even matter if I succeed or if I make money or any of it didn't matter anymore. I just had to do it. But I trusted that God would make that happen because I have three kids and a husband and we all want a house to live in and food to eat. Yeah. So I knew that God would bring success with it as well. And so I just trusted God. I had to trust him. It was the only way. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um Sharla, I have loved hearing a little bit about you. We're going to go into just a short break right now, and then we'll come back and talk about our top three questions or my top three questions that I have for you um, so that our listeners can hear. Hey, Overcoming Monday listeners, we're taking a short break to announce an opportunity for connection and coaching with Shari King. This fall, Clayton King Ministries is launching an all-access coaching network event called Leading by Loving Jesus More. The Kings co-founded Clayton King Ministries 25 years ago, and in this time, Shari noticed a lack of leadership training for women. But ladies, you know that no matter what stage of life you're in, you lead in all sorts of capacities, in your workspace, your home, your church, and your friend groups. We do a lot, and we're expected to juggle a lot too. Shari has experienced both the joys and challenges of leadership personally and professionally. So she is passionate about providing women with the tools to lead well, both emotionally and spiritually. So ladies, this is your moment to grab a friend who is also craving leadership training and sign up today. And men, don't tune us out. We know you know women who would jump at this opportunity. So let me tell you how to sign up and discover more about this exclusive opportunity. This all access training includes one session per week for seven weeks before October 8th. We don't want you to miss out, so register today by visiting ckmresources.com forward slash coaching. Let me repeat that again to you, ckmresources.com forward slash coaching. And as an extra special bonus, Overcoming Monday listeners will receive 10% off this event by entering the code MONDAY. Thanks so much for your time and interest. Now let's get back to the show. Well, Charlotte, I've really loved hearing your story so far and, you know, some of the connections that you have with the Lord and how you entered into art um, to take back, you know, places that seems like have become evil and don't have a good influence, say, in that area. And um, I really admire that. I think it's such a great thing to do. I think we should all have that perspective, whatever career we're in. 
can be a ministry. And so I love that you've done that with your career. Um, I think maybe we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to ask you what your top motivation is. And maybe we've already said it, but what is your top motivation uh, for pursuing art and what keeps you motivated in your art career? Um, Yeah. So I think it is, it is just hearing from God. He, Mm he's who keeps me motivated. Of course, I get really excited by uh, following other artists and seeing new things I want to learn. And I just want to get in the studio and paint. And that's a a very real reality is learning, which is kind of why I started Bold School. Um, Yeah, so I'm very inspired and that motivates me to keep going. Hearing from God in and understanding the message that my art is supposed to put out into the world. I think that's the other thing that probably really motivates me because it's usually, it's quite often a message that I'm very passionate and excited about and want to talk about. So I, I'm always kind of looking into that. Um, I call it the essence. <laughs> it does Irwin McManus term. So okay. it's might sound cheesy, but it's from his book. Um, you know, the, the essence that's inside you, the universe that's inside of you, that's uniquely you and uniquely yours that God's created. I think that we don't even know ourselves as well as he knows us. And he's put a unique purpose for each of us into our lives. So I kind of, I'm always trying to delve into that. Like where where is my passion? What are the things that, that drive me? Um, and it can be a cause, you know, it can be a cause to save the children. It can be a cause to, uh, go to Kenya and, and feed the poor kids on the street. It can be a cause to, to help the homeless or just be a grandma with babies on her knee. You know, what, what is that thing that, that makes you passionate to want to get up and move every day? So I, I go into that and I kind of feed that a little bit because it's, it's kind of what makes me um, excited to get up and to work and to create art. And it's deeper than just simply getting up in the morning because I have three kids to take care of. <laughs> you know, like sometimes that's not very motivating. Sometimes I need other things to motivate me. So I always am going into those passions and trying to educate myself more, learn more so that that passion will grow and deepen. And I, I think that God's calling um, an, an army of artists together to take back this art world, you know, that's been kind of destroyed in many, many levels. I believe that art, the arts, and I don't mean painting, I just mean the arts in general, is probably one of the most powerful tools that we have on the earth to communicate God's love. I think he's a creator. He, he, he showed us he is creator. That's how he introduced us us to him is as creator. He created us and he made us in his image. Creation is powerful. It's a powerful tool to show who God is. It reaches hearts so um, directly. People put their walls down when they're listening to music or when they're watching movies. Mm. And you put your wall down and you let that message flow into you and it can be dangerous and it can be life-giving. And I think because the world has looked at the arts as useless in a sense, like has no power, it has no use. It's just something that you decorate your wall with, or you listen to music in the background at a party or whatever. You know, we look at it as having no power when it actually has a lot of power. And I think that's why God wants us to take it back because it's, it's being used in horrific ways because we're letting it slide. So for me, 
I know that God's calling that army and I just, I can't not respond because I know the truth. I know the truth of it. Um, and to ignore it is you can't, you know, you kind of have to shut yourself down to ignore it. So that's my motivation. Yeah, I know. I love that motivation. I, we recently, um, before COVID and all that, I'm glad we went last year, but my husband and I went to Italy and we hadn't ever had a sabbatical and we had been, we've been just in ministry for a long time and we just wanted to get away and also celebrate our wedding anniversary. So we went to Italy and I was so excited to go to all these different places, but we got to go tour some artisans, um, you know, a leather worker, glass makers, um, painters. We went through the tons of museums and of course, lots of churches. And so you're just seeing people's craft everywhere. Um, but one guy that we got to visit, I, I was all over this town trying to find this one man he, he makes, um, he sculpts like he's a, he carves out of, um, alabaster and he is in late years. I don't remember how old he's, he is, but he and his partner are the ones that will recreate a lot of the statues and a lot of the different, um, you know, different in the churches. And so they're the only ones that are skilled enough to replace some of these statues. And so when we finally found him in his shop, he showed me some of his stuff, but he was saying that there's no one who wants to be mentored anymore in these crafts because they take so long to be trained. You have to start so young to really be able to develop the skill to do what it is that he's doing. And he said, and now everybody just does everything so fast, you know, and machines do it. So we've lost the appreciation of like what it really looks like to spend your life becoming a skilled worker in one area, you know? Um, and it kind of, there were times when I really kind of cried, you know, just looking at some of the, even um, when we went to Venice, uh, we were warned not to go into some of the stores because some of the stores have taken pictures of original artwork, you know, say blown glass or whatever, and, or different kinds of things. Uh, reproduce them by machines in really fast ways and are selling them really cheap. And that's just, it's just sad to me that um, the value of art can be diminished in such a way that the appreciation of what it took to get there to make an original thing isn't, isn't something we appreciate anymore. We're trying to find the best deal instead of saying, wow, this artist really has honed their skill and I'm willing to pay for this because like this is a one of a kind or this took a lot of work or investing, you know, investing in art is just, I don't know. So anyway, it was, it was a little bit sad for me at the same time being able to appreciate that man's skill and just see what he was doing, all the stuff in his shop, you know, I don't know how long it took, but yeah. Well, I like to compare it to, I like the metaphor of bread where you have the difference between the process of creating artisan bread or like sourdough bread versus mm. wonder bread. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you can eat both and make a sandwich with them, but sourdough bread, it's, you know, it's the process of making it with just a couple of ingredients. It takes a long time. It's an art form to make it really well but it, it, it's fermented, right? And it creates um, like its ecosystem of nutrients in the bread. And when you eat it, the flavors are incredible and it, it gives you 
nutrients. It nourishes your body. Whereas Wonder Bread, like, I'm not even sure what's in it. I don't know either. But I know it sticks to the top of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's gross. And it's if you ate, I'm I don't know. I have not done studies on this, but I'm sure if you ate Wonder Bread, you'd probably just only Wonder Bread. You'd die. Whereas sourdough bread can feed you and nourish you in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So I that's what art is like. You know, if you have real true art that's been created through a process of skill and experience, but also has message and purpose it it affects your soul and it changes you it i've had people walk in front of my art and just break down into tears and they're like i don't know why i'm crying i'm like i don't know why you're crying but it's because there was a message for them it's it's the power of going into a really awesome movie and crying your eyes out or getting really angry or getting really scared it has power to affect your soul but the wonder bread you know mm-hmm. that quick fast print or that printed statue that comes out of a 3d printer it's just not it doesn't affect you there's no power in it yeah kind of like velveta someone do you do you have velveta <laughs> so we had someone stay with us in um one time and they bought sliced cheese and i was like you know this isn't cheese the kind that's like prepackaged in the plastic it says cheese product. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, the ingredients don't even have cheese in it. It's, it's like something that they put into melted together and then sliced and then stuck in plastic, you know? And it was revolutionary for them to think that this isn't real cheese, you know? But until we look at it and learn to appreciate real cheese and have a taste for it, you don't really know that these sliced things that you get aren't real, you know? So I don't know. It's whatever you're used to sometimes, but Um, so my next top question for you is who has been your top mentor? Who have you looked up to in your art journey and maybe what is the greatest advice or inspiration that you've received from that person or maybe that class or, you know, I don't know what your answer is. (laughs) I don't even know what my answer is. (laughs) Well, I think I already mentioned how I've not really ever had anybody in my life that's been a mentor. Uh, I paid a mentor once to give me some advice. Um, I've kind of always just been on the journey in a in a sense on my own, like the deeper part of the journey has been on my own. I think at university, I discredited my university experience for a really long time. But as I mature and become wiser in my ways, I realized that there were some people there who spoke some really great things into my life concerning art and process. But I truly think that the the mentors that have been in my life are the guys I listen to, like the podcasts and YouTube, whatever, like Sean Bowles and Erwin McManus. I mean, uh, Darren Wilson from like WP Studios did like the Holy Ghost. I I did a creativity course that him and his dad create or created a long time ago. Um, it was just it just changed my life hearing these guys talk about creativity and art and teach their process. His dad is actually really, really interesting guy. He's a a painter and sculptor, I think. I'm not even sure now. Mm. Um, Guys like that, just, I consider them to be my mentors, even though they don't even know me and we've never spoken face to face. I love listening to John Bevere, actually, who doesn't really talk about art, but he wrote a book called Driven by Eternity. Mm. That book, really helped me to realize what what I should be doing and why I should be doing it. It's a really great book about 
our purposes here on life and how they will affect our eternal existence. Um, really, I, that's who I would call my mentors. Mm-hmm. A big reason why I also wanted to do the class was because I believe that mentors are lacking. Like this guy in Italy that you spoke to, he's like, I'll mentor people, but there's nobody here to mentor. I think that we need more mentors in our life so that we can pass on the knowledge that we have and people can start, you know, the, the, the saying start from our ceiling rather than everyone start at the floor at the same level. They can start from where I'm leaving off and we can grow and become even deeper and have more understanding and wisdom. So bold school, even though it's teaching my process, the big part I really wanted it to have was the mentorship inside our private groups and to create a community that we can grow and talk through our processes from. Because you can learn, here's my six steps to great art. Well, you're not really going to get there. You need somebody to to guide you and ask questions. So that was a big reason for, for Bold School. And a big thing we want to continue with our courses is to have um, a mentorship type of community. I think is really lacking. So yeah, I don't have any face-to-face personal mentors mm-hmm. in my life. I have friends that are kind of going along the path the same as me. So we help each other and encourage each other. But I would just love to have somebody to talk to, have coffee (laughs) with that actually can guide me down my path. But I think a lot of people want that and, you know, they're hard to have. I think we maybe are just so busy as people. Mm -hmm. I think that's the problem, right? It's the difference in the Wonder Bread and the sourdough. We're too busy to make sourdough. Yeah. And we need people to do that for us. Or even just to find people who have time to mentor you, you know? And it takes a while sometimes to click with someone and, you know. It does. It does take time, yeah. So anyway, that's just part of life. Well, um, so as we go to your last top that I have, um, I want to know your top painting. So what is your favorite work you've painted and what is the story behind it? Um, why did you paint it and how long did it take you? <laughs> I've been thinking about this question oh, God. <laughs> because I don't have an, I don't feel like I've had a concrete answer for any of these questions, except I'm from happy adventure. <laughs> um, that's the only one I could really say for sure. Um, I have, there's, there's different ways I look at all the art that I've done. Like there's a piece called man staring and it's just the profile. It's a, it's an orange overall painting, a darker uh, low key painting. And I love that piece for the art of it. I just love looking at it. I don't even know its story. I just, but I do love it and I connect to it. Then there's another piece called the fisherman, which is actually a painting of my dad. It's a really large piece and it was a painting that kind of was a big, um, mountain for me it changed my whole art process when I painted it I painted that piece in six hours and it was the first time I painted a likeness of somebody and it was my dad so that whole process was really weird when I was visiting him because he didn't we didn't live in the same town for a while and I just took his picture when he was playing with my son and I was like I'm going to paint that picture and I thought that is probably the most insane thing I'll ever do because why would I choose somebody so close to me to be the first likeness, but I knew I had to do it. I didn't know why. And I chose to paint him really large and I had never done that before. And six hours later, it was almost like I just went into a zone and I came out six hours. Like it doesn't even make sense. My husband came down and he looked at it and he's like, what did you just do? Wow. Like, I don't know. I just painted my dad in six hours on a large canvas. So it was a very, um, 
it was it was an emotional experience, but I I understood a lot from that that process. So that that is like a little bit of a different story that's a little bit more personal in my art journey. Um, and I can talk about that piece for a long time because it's my dad and it has a whole time other meaning. Our family said that the painting looked more like him than the photo I had taken of him looks like him. Wow. That I used as reference. So it was just like really eye-opening for the power of what uh, a painting can do. And I've shown that piece at uh, several places because I decided I was going to sell it at first. Then, then I thought I was crazy and I couldn't sell it. My sister was going to kill me. Um, so I've shown that piece and it's one of the pieces that people break down in tears over mm. and they stop and they stare and they want to know his story and they ask if he's famous. And I'm like, it's just my dad. I mean, I think my dad's pretty great, but it's, it's just, it's shown me the power of art in, over and over in so many different ways. Then I have another painting that's called The Kiss. That painting comes from a prophetic dream that I had and I woke up the next day without being able to take it off my mind and I opened up Instagram and God led me down this insane path of a very specific story of his love and I painted that painting and it also got I always know that um I guess it's not really a great way to judge your art but I know that it's a powerful piece when when the people who see it at shows, they stop, they cry, they ask stories, and it's usually is sold or could be sold immediately. And the pieces that God works with me on, that always happens. So I, I kind of say all of those, I kind of gave the, all of those stories because they're, they're quite different. And it's hard to say what one favorite piece is. For me, is also, I like um, to allow the art to speak to you because oftentimes, the story behind the piece can be one thing for me and something completely different for you because most of my art is not meant for me. The process is great and I love the process and I, that that's a lot of my own, um, the purpose in my own life is it's just simply painting, but the painting is going to end up on somebody else's wall. It's meant for somebody else to connect with. Mm. So a lot of times I don't like talking about the stories behind the piece because it might disconnect the story that it has for you. Yeah. Quite often, if it's powerful, I think the story is going to be very similar for me and for you who are viewing it. But I like it to speak to you before I really talk about what it meant for me. I think that every painting is is got a purpose. Mm. Sounds cheesy again, but I do think they do. There was a time where um, I don't own a lot of original art myself. We haven't really gotten into the collector's world yet, although that's kind of our next step. Um, but I have a friend who's a great artist, and I love all her work. But I never felt compelled to buy a piece. And then one one day I saw this piece that she had done as an abstract image, and it kind of reminded me of the ocean and. I loved it. And I said to her, we were building a new house. I said, I want to buy that piece for my house. But I had to convince my husband to, to buy it because we're putting a lot of money into our new house, whatever. So I said, if somebody else wants to buy it, you know, don't keep it for me because I don't want to make a promise, but I really want it. Anyways, a year goes by and she messaged me. She's like, I was really scared to call you, but uh, I sold the painting and I cried and I didn't even want to talk to my husband because he, we hadn't like made the decision to purchase it and I lost it. And um, it was the first experience I had had with an emotional connection to a piece that spoke to something deep in my soul and I lost it and I no longer had the opportunity to look at that every day. So I learned from that experience, which so it was a good experience for me to have had because I realized that each piece has 
an owner in a, in a sense, you know, and if a piece doesn't speak to you, cause a lot of people will go, Ooh, what is that? That's, that's not very nice. Or that's ugly. Or what color did you use? I just let it go because that's not their work. It's not meant for them. And then the next show, somebody buys it, they fall in love with it. And they write me a year later to tell me how much they still love that piece because it's speaking to them. It's the message they needed. So, um, yeah, that's why I like to think that it's more about your story than mine. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I That's a good thing to know. I think there's a few things that's, that is funny. I know that you say in your class not to, when you're painting a portrait, not to pick someone that you know really well to do first. So um, I've been, <laughs> yeah, you did it. And I was like, hmm, because... Um, because I'm kind of going something through something with my dad right now. I just found out he's terminal, and there's something inside of me that wants to paint him. Um, but then there's that, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm good enough, and I might be disappointed in myself if I try. So I have a few pictures of um, some went on a mission trip in India and I have some great pictures of some, um, some people from that trip. But then I also have one from, I went to Jacob's well. Um, and there was this girl and she has a turban on her head and it's really cool. Um, so I thought about that one. So anyway, I'm on my debate of what is my person I want to paint first. So it's funny to hear that you painted your dad cause I've been debating that. Um, and then, uh, that's so interesting about the story, not telling too much of a story and letting it, letting the painting speak to whoever it is that looks at it. That's a really great, um, a really great concept. And I, uh, so I've written a book and it's really funny because when people text you or email you or whatever and tell you what they're learning, it's so funny sometimes because it's not really even maybe what I wrote, but it's something that they receive from it. Um, and it's not specifically what I wrote, but it can apply to it, but it's something just a little bit off to the side that I didn't maybe intend, but still it's a great thing that they're learning. And so I think what that's what you're saying with a painting is maybe I didn't write those words, but maybe that was received in that moment because that's what they needed to hear. And it was a little bit of a twist on it, but it's really great to know that they're still receiving something, you know? And you, you just never know what people need in their, their soul. You know, we all experience um, bad things in our life. We have pain, we have trauma, and we can't even pretend to understand the other person's trauma, even if it was similar to yours. Mm -hmm. So I, for me to think that I can just give them the answer, it's kind of why I like being able to paint because I don't have to use words to help people. But so I can create a painting. And I think when you look at it, it almost becomes healing because you can have the truth and the hope and the love or whatever it is that they need to heal can be in that. So if you try to tell them what you think is in there, it might not be what it was they needed to hear. Mm. So allowing it to speak to them the way it needs to be said and trusting God in that process is all about trusting God and, and putting the Holy Spirit out into all of that so that it is used well as is really important to me too, I think. Um, but just going back to my dad's painting, the one thing I, I wanted to like say is that I did paint portraits for almost two years, I think, before I painted him. Oh, okay. But I had not painted likenesses because I was like, there's no way I'm going to paint somebody to try and recreate their face. I just wanted to paint faces to learn faces. And that's what I did. And that's when, but I was getting to the point where people were asking me to do commissions. I didn't know if I wanted to do commissions or not, but I was terrified to do it. And 
my dad was the one that I chose to paint first as a likeness, which is still insanely like risky because you're so close to that person, especially for you and all the emotion that's going to be involved in that for you right now, there's going to be so much in there. And if you can't bring that out, if you're not feeling it, you're going to be frustrated. Mm. So it's, it's good to practice paintings, portraits of people you don't know, just to get the understanding of the face and, and the process and the technique. And then when you feel comfortable, I think you'll know when yeah. you're ready, you know, and not, not to push it, but when you're ready, you do it and don't question it. Yeah. Well, thanks for that advice. I, I was, I'm already going to wait. I'm so self-critical that I'm like, I don't, I don't want to enter into that until until I feel ready and I don't feel ready. So I, I know I'm putting that, yeah, I know I'm putting that on the side for now in one day, you know, I just got to find a good picture, you know? Um, well, Charlotte, I want to thank you for being on the podcast to, today. I know you're all the way in Canada, but isn't it awesome that we can zoom and, um, still do this podcast. And I'm just thankful that we can just see each other just a little bit that I'm getting to know you a little bit just from this. And now I get to watch your videos and (laughs) have a little bit of an inside scoop. So that's fun. Um, and I wanted to ask you as we exit, um, because I think that you'll probably say it all better than me. Sometimes when I try to tell people how to connect with a guest, I leave things out. So I would love right now, if you'll just kind of, um, tell our audience how they can connect with you, maybe how they can sign up for bold school or how they can see your artwork and what are all the places that they can find you? Sure. Um, the best places would be our website, which is my personal portfolio, which is charla.ca and then there's the bold school website for all the course information which is boldschool.com um the current course that's on there is called bold color Bootcamp, and painting the wild is going to be released really soon i have an instagram account with my name you probably best to go to charla.ca and get spelling um and then of course i'm on facebook and uh, linkedin i don't know I'm, I'm all over but Websites are the best place to go and get all the current links. And I have a YouTube channel if you want to just watch my process and get to know me before you look at the course. Yeah, I think that's it. Well, Overcoming Monday listeners, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. And I hope we've given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough. All right. I'll talk to you next time. We hope you've enjoyed today's conversation with Charla Marshall from Newfoundland, Canada. She's an accomplished artist and her website is awesome. Check her out at charla.ca. And if you're interested in learning a little bit more about how to begin your adventure in art and you want to learn how to paint just a little bit, or if you want to go all the way in, go to boldschool.com. Hey, pray for our ministry this week and check out all that we're doing right now. This podcast is a production of our nonprofit ministry, and we survive off of your financial gifts and your prayers. Visit us at ClaytonKingMinistries.com. We hope that we have given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough on Overcoming Monday.